Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast. Um, I'm here today with Kimmy Seltzer, who is a authentic dating strategist, authentic dating strategist. My words are not working this morning. Um, Confidence therapist and an image expert. Kimmy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, We're going to be talking today about dating styles in the digital age, which is an ever-changing, ever-evolving topic, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, just in the past 10 years, it's changed so much. And I think that's about as long as Tinder has been around. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's changing as we speak. (laughs) That's how rapidly it is changing. So I love this topic. Yeah, no, I'm sure we're going to have so much to talk about. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a bit further um, to our audience. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, yeah, you know, it it is a mouthful, my title. As you said, I'm an authentic dating strategist, uh, confidence therapist, and image expert. And it is kind of just a way of explaining that I have a holistic approach in helping people look and feel their best so they attract what they want. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of people come to me and they'll say, find me a man, find me a woman, help me find love. And, and I, I do, but really what people are doing is falling in love with themselves. Because as you know, when you love yourself, that's when you attract a healthy reciprocal relationship. And I do that in a lot of different ways. You know, I use this formula called the charisma quotient, which is the name of my podcast. And within the Charisma Quotient, there's kind of these three pillars in which I work with. And I just, I love the word charisma, first of all. And that's why I kind of use that in the title of the formula, because charisma is this magnetism that just draws people to you. And when you have that energy, you know, that's half the battle and even just attraction, right? And in that, there are different components that make up charisma. And research shows that charisma is something that is learned. You're not born with charisma, which I think is interesting because that means I can teach it. And believe me, I have taught an 85-year-old woman to flirt at a bar and pick up a man all the way down to a 21-year-old. So I know it doesn't discriminate. And, you know, within those three pillars, I work with people on their style intelligence, which I can kind of go over more in a little bit, their emotional intelligence and their social intelligence. And so my approach is a little bit different and actually sometimes raises a lot of eyebrows because most people work from the inside out. I actually work from the outside in and I can happily tell you why and share my story around it. But what I love is that, you know, a lot of people don't focus on the outside. They're always working on the inside. But if your inside and outside don't match, a lot of times love will pass you by. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what, I guess, what are those three kind of aspects of building your charisma? Can, can you explain them? I, I, I don't want to go into too much detail because we're still in the introductory phase of the right, show, right. but, but, but I, I am right curious. <laughs> I, I am curious, you know, just very yeah. briefly, I guess, what are they? Yeah, well, you know, style intelligence, I kind of made up because they went along with the emotional and social intelligence. But really what that is, is your first impressions. It's how you market yourself. It's your body language. It's your style. I am an image consultant, so I do a lot of makeovers and helping people with their dating costume so that they're putting themselves out there and advertising themselves in a way that says, hey, I'm available, I'm dateable. And a lot of times people don't realize how marketing themselves is really crucial in those stages of attraction. Um, in fact, I just did a TEDx talk and I titled it, How Marketing Yourself Attracts Love. And I went into it so you can, you know, hop into YouTube and, and listen to the whole story behind it. But what's really neat about working from the outside, which is the style intelligence, is that it's, you know, nothing else really, if you look at, is that instantaneous, right? Everything else that we work on on the inside takes time, it takes work, but there's nothing like somebody walking out into a new outfit and having a different like body language and charisma about them and energy that just like exudes that confidence. And what's really interesting, there's a lot of research that backs this up, is that when you wear something different, you move through the world differently, you send out signals to the opposite sex that says come hither and that is what creates so much opportunity and people don't really realize a lot of times how important that is so that's like the first piece i really look at you know looking at the way that people are presenting themselves and in that first impression stage and by the way nowadays you only have seven seconds to make a first impression like that's crazy because a couple of years ago it was like 30 seconds so we're getting quicker and quicker and to the point of this topic that we're talking about in the digital world, we're just getting so fast yeah. at the way that we make those judgments and assumptions. And we make those assumptions on two things, what you wear and the attitude that you have. So if you don't pay attention to this and all you're doing is working on the inside and swiping right and left, you're missing a really crucial, important piece in social interaction. So that's the first thing. The second is emotional intelligence. Now you all probably have heard that word. This is like a big buzzword these days, but the way I look at it in ways of dating is how we express ourselves, how, how authentic we are, leaning into our vulnerability so that we really have more emotional intimacy when we have connections. And then the third pillar is your social intelligence. That is how we manage interpersonal relationships. And yes, that includes flirting. So flirting is a big part of my business. I do flirt workshops all the time. I even um, have threatened to come to Australia to do flirt workshops. I'm just putting <laughs> that out there. Um, and we, um, you know, as a society also kind of get caught up in that word flirting, you know, raises a lot of eyebrows. It has a lot of associations attached to it. But flirting is one of the most crucial skills that you can have with dating. So um, those are the three components. And when I, you know, as a therapist, I really like to sit down and look at, well, what pieces of the puzzles are missing? You know, where can people work so that they can get more results? 
And while I am a trained therapist and a coach, the reason why I call myself a strategist these days, because I just think people are getting more and more savvy and people are doing a lot of work on themselves. What people need are strategies to break old habits. Because I truly believe a lot of the patterns that people get into is stem from childhood. And then we just get into bad habits, you know? And so until you put strategies in place in those three areas, it's going to be hard to override them because we'll keep falling back into what we know. For sure, for sure. Um, I think that kind of context contextualizes, I guess, our conversation. Uh, and I'm definitely going to ask you a lot more context questions than that. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, we do have a segment called Have You Met Kimmy Seltzer? In which I ask you a few very quick questions about yourself. Are you ready to answer them? I am ready. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So I guess my first question for you is what is your favorite book? Oh, you know, I have a lot of favorite books, but actually for the purposes of this podcast, I have a really good one. It relates to what I was just saying. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. I love it. It's, um, it you know, there's been a lot of books about emotional intelligence, but it, you know, it kind of goes over what emotional intelligence looks like in ways of social interaction. And there's even a little test that you can take at the end to see where social and emotional scores fall. Um, and there's excellent exercises in there. So um, I actually make a lot of my clients read those. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, a useful book. Um, a lot of our guests don't give a book that's useful to the topic, um, but I, I think it's a plus. I think it's a win. <laughs> uh, what about a movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Do I have to pick one? I love movies so much. You can uh, definitely pick more than one. And I think I, I would say the more the merrier. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I'm going to age myself, but what's so interesting is that I think your generation now, it, there's like a revitalization with it. Um, like I love the matrix. Like, I just think that is a fantastic movie. I like a lot of the sci-fi, believe it or not. Um, I like star, you know, star Wars, all the, just every episode of that, you know, growing up. Um, I probably am more old school. Like I like kind of more of the oldies and they're just, there's so many, but I really do like sci-fi. To be fair, at least in terms of Star Wars, I think everyone prefers um, the, the 70s and 80s movies to all of the others. <laughs> I know, so, isn't that interesting? It's almost yeah. like timeless. You know, oh yeah. Like you can watch them over and over again and they you <laughs> learn something new every time. So I definitely feel that. Um, what about a podcast you've been listening to and you are allowed to recommend your own? Well, I'm going to plug my own for sure. <laughs> Again, it's called the Charisma Quotient. Um, you know, I I don't know if I really have a favorite, to be honest, because I, I just kind of popcorn a lot and listen to different ones. You know, I think that Joe Rogan, of course, has like an amazing podcast. This is kind of classic. But I think there's a lot of smaller ones that are super cool. Um, you know, for me, I like listening to different things, not just with self-help, but um, there's a lot of those like mystery podcasts that are out there. That's Those are kind of cool, like a whodunit one. So I don't know. I, I don't want to like even name them because I think there's just, there's so many they can yeah. dive into. Is there one that you're kind of, is there one that you're listening to right now? I've taken a pause for a while. Actually, to 
full disclosure, I am doing a dating retreat right now. Okay. So I am in the midst of, you know, kind of servicing my clients and planning that. And so with that, I just, I haven't listened in a while. I've been yeah. doing a lot of podcasts like this one and recording, but I haven't been listening. What yeah, I totally you? get that. I know. I, I totally get that. When you're when you're busy, it's one of those things that just kind of falls off. Podcasts are really like an alone time, um, sit down and listen kind of thing. So I, I totally understand. And it's like what you, you and I were talking about off air is that, you know, it's a very, um, to me, intimate thing that you listen to, like in the car, for instance, like when I have more time, I'm in the car more, like if I'm going to different places, and that's when I listen to it. But when I'm in my busy state, I, I just... I feel like there's so much noise around. I, I like it for just me, you yeah. know, and it almost feels like when they're listening, when, and it's funny because my podcaster, they'll say this, my audience will say this, say, oh my gosh, I listen to you like while I'm cleaning and while I'm running and while, yeah. and then when I have a call, because I always offer free calls to people, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you said my name. I've been listening to you. Like, I had somebody say that once. I said, I'm just a person. I said, you have no idea. Like, it's it's more strange for me to just be talking into a microphone and have no idea who's out there listening. And so when I actually listen and talk to listeners, it, like, keeps me going, so... I mean, I haven't had that experience yet, but I do understand the kind of experience of recording all of these things. And I'm like, who's listening? Like, who even cares about the show? Even though, like, people definitely do <laughs> somewhere right. out there. They're just they're just a bit quiet. That's all. <laughs> um, what who, do you have a famous role model that you've looked up to either professionally or personally? Well, I, okay, so I have two people that come to mind. One isn't famous. One is actually a family member, and that is my dad. Um, I always looked up to him. He is my role model and inspired me in so many different ways. Um, he passed when I was younger, and but I learned so much of just like who I am and even business. So he inspired me in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, you know, celebrity wise, I don't know if there's like somebody that I would say, oh, well, that person inspired me to do what I do. Again, as you can hear, there's a theme with me. Yeah. I don't think there's just one, one person, you yeah. know, it's like, that is my person. And I had a poster up and I'm just like, oh, I wish I could be like them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's my poster child. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like, again, it takes a village and there's been so many people that has inspired me. There's a person um, actually who I do want to call out, two people come in mind. One is a um, dating coach who got me into doing what I do and his name was David Wygant. He recently passed. So I just want to, um, you know, just send gratitude and, and thank him for inspiring me to do what I do. Um, and also, um, Ashley Rothschild, she was the image consultant that trained me here okay. and she also passed. So, yeah, like I think so many important people along the way. Yeah, I think three people that you've known personally and that have touched you personally are far more important than a celebrity at any rate. Right. So. That's why that question is so hard for me, because it's like, yeah. you know, you see people and they inspire you, but it's like a, a blip on a TV or blip on a podcast. Yeah. But people that you know who are responsible for shaping for who you are, like to me, that's that's the important people. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. Um, final question of this segment. What's the last course that you completed? Ooh, last course I completed. Um, I took a course. Actually, it was a correspondence course over in the UK. It was called Style Coaching. And it combined styling with life coaching. And it was when I was really kind of marrying, you know, my therapy background and the image consulting side of things. And it, it really helped me like synthesize what I do with a lot of the, the stuff that I do. So that was really interesting. Out of sheer curiosity, have, have yeah. you seen Queer Eye? Is that is that something that's oh come across? Oh my God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I've just seen it. I'm upset. I like, I love, have you seen the new episodes? That just I have dropped? not seen the new episodes. Uh, no, I have a lot to catch up on with Queer Eye actually. So I like what's so great about like, and I, you know, and actually I have a, a new um, show. It's called Dating IRL and it, hopefully it'll get back out there because it's on hold right now because the studio's on hold. But um, the notion is, is because I feel like sometimes I am Queer Eye minus minus like redoing the people's homes I definitely cannot redecorate like I would hire somebody (laughs) all the other aspects you know it is about that makeover and that life and in different realms because it's so important this is why the outside in is so important you know the way you dress the way you move the social piece the emotional piece that's really what gets people to shift and change yeah, Love yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, I'm so glad I asked <laughs> because yeah. <it's> <laughs> Wait, but why did you ask? That's what I was. Um, about. You were talking about the, the way you were talking about like image um, consulting and, and all of that. It just I, I kept thinking I was like, please don't bring up queer eye. Please don't bring up queer eye. And finally, I just had to. <laughs> it was like this sounds so much like that. <laughs> What's really funny, and I don't know if you'll remember this show. A lot of times when people ask me what I do, I said, well. Think of Hitch meets What Not to Wear. Do you remember that show? That was also in the UK. Oh, with Stacey I, London. She did like ambushes on the streets and she would make them over. And when early in my career, I would watch that. And I would be like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. I want to make over people and I want to make them happy. And I want to make it stick. Because that's the thing about these makeover shows. Mm-hmm. I always wonder, like, does it stick? Like, do yeah. people carry on the same way that they feel in that moment? Um, and now that I'm doing this, I, I am I am here to say it does, but it does take that kind of moment of, you know, transformation. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. We are about to talk um, a fair bit more about that, uh, about presenting yourself and transforming yourself, I guess, as part of the dating process. And I guess specifically how we can do that digitally, which I'm assuming is is a bit of a different process. Um, I might begin, I guess, our main part of the show with just asking you how you define a relationship. What is a relationship to you? It's such a big word these days, isn't it? Like back in my day, again, I'll age myself a lot <laughs> older than you. Um, it was pretty simple. <laughs> it was like, man meets a woman and they fall in love and they get into a partnership, which looks like marriage and they're in a relationship and they don't date anybody else. And um, everything kind of goes on as planned. Well, yeah, that was kind of like the fairy tale that we grew up in. And there were a lot of issues that came out of that too, right? And so 
In the modern day world, relationships look really different. There's so many kinds. There's even something called situationship, which I love that word, by the way, because because there there are never before have there been so many divorces, first of all, with people over the age 40. So now we have a lot of singles who are dating later in life. You millennials are coming out of this digital, you know, era where you're learning how to meet people for the first time digitally, which is totally two different ways of meeting people, right? And relationships are forming differently that way. I mean, it just, it has to, you know, like yeah. it's more transactional. Yeah. And and so there's a little bit of a um, difference in the way that people are relating to each other, defining relationships. We have, you know, all kinds of gender differences now and, and the way people identify themselves and who they're looking for in a relationship. So to me, it's a complicated word and it really is personal. And so that's where I kind of define a relationship is whatever like a partner means to you. But I will say what I think it distinguishes like dating from a relationship is that most people think of that as like some sort of commitment to each other. You know, so it doesn't have to be marriage necessarily, but there's some sort of commitment where you are in this together. Now there's also polyamory, there's open relationships, you know, so there's all kinds of sections of that, but there's a definition that all parties are agreeing to. Yeah, for sure. And even like, I guess within um, open relationships, within polyamory, especially those which are you know, ethical, um, there's often a pretty verbal and explicit agreement as to how that relationship operates. Uh, people are very, I mean, in order to make it work, you would have to be very good at communicating. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think why relationships fall apart, no matter what, you know, you're trying to define as that relationship, because if, if you aren't really communicating with each other and coming to that agreement people can get hurt trust issues like there's all kinds of things that gets really hard about that and i i suppose my next question is i guess like how do you define dating but it's worth pointing out that relationships like you said can take so many different forms they don't even have to be explicitly um you know uh exclusive to you don't have to be exclusive to each other you can have situationships as you said you can be friends with benefits and that can still be a relationship of some sort um does a dating stage apply to every single type of relationship okay we gotta get into this definition of dating and i'm just fascinated and because i have two boys who are in their 20s and we've had many many dinner debates about what the definition of dating is between your generation and my generation and we have completely different generate or differences in the definition because according to like millennials and and kind of the younger generation when you're dating someone that means they're your boyfriend or girlfriend correct really (laughs) that's how they're defining it that's it like i think you wouldn't say that you're dating someone unless you're boyfriend and girlfriend because before that you're just talking you're just talking you just might be hanging out and this could be even like the younger crowd you know the i'm talking early 20s 
But at least here in the United States, that's what's getting defined. And so like in my generation, and maybe this is more congruent with where you are, dating is like you're dating some people, like you're you're having dates with people. Maybe it's the same person over and over and over again. Maybe it's multiple people, but you're just, you're out there dating. You're not necessarily in a relationship. For me, it's like that middle phase. Um, if you're, if you say that I'm dating someone that has like an association of, well, there's someone consistent that you're dating and maybe it's been two months, three months, and you're seeing whether or not you're going to be in the third phase, which I call a, just, you know, a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And before dating, the very first phase that I call, I call it courtship. I call, that's like when, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, there's flirting, there's, it's the fun, like honeymoon period. You might be dating a lot of people. You're just being really social. You're going out, you're discovering about yourself. And I think it's a very important stage. And I always tell people, like, if you are a relationship person and you've only had one or two relationships, it's really good to hover in the courting phase so that you get to know yourself. Before you move on and just, you know, get sucked into the vortex of the relationship, because sometimes you lose yourself in the process. So that's how I help my clients like define the dating phases is you have courtship, you have pure dating, and then you have committed relationship in it. It makes it a little easier. And what I and this is something that you can all think about as you're listening. There's usually one phase that's easier than something else. You know, so if you're like this, like relationship person, like you can't wait to skip all the courting stuff and get to the juicy stuff. Right. Or if you're like, just like to have fun and you don't want then maybe the committed part is really hard for you. And so your journey is to really learn about yourself and the phases that are challenging and hard and practice and use some of the skills that you need to leverage in order to just, you know, feel more complete in those stages because each stage is really important in developing a healthy relationship. Yeah. I like that you've put it into three different stages. And I think in my experience, um, personally, but also talking to other, talking to friends and family about their relationships, I I think people tend to see it in three stages as well, regardless of what they call it. There's that kind of early, um, hanging out as, as your, as your sons might say. Um, and then there's dating someone, which implies more of a agreement, um, and, and a consistency between, um, that happening. And then there's a committed relationship. I think now that you've kind of mentioned it, you know, I was confused at first, but I can see where that distinction might come up because often what my friends and I am, I am in my late twenties, but we will say we're dating, but if we're dating a specific person that implies, um, some sort of exclusivity. Um, so you're not seeing other people outside of that relationship if you're dating a specific person, but if you're just dating, then it's kind of just seeing people. Uh, You're seeing a lot of people, uh, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It it does. And it doesn't. Because yes. it's the same word. And that's what I'm telling yeah. my my sons. I said, you know, there's there's nothing that is defining the claim of that person. Because if, if you're just saying, oh, I'm dating. Well, and you just said it, it could have different contexts and meaning yeah. behind it. So it's interesting. And it's not 
like one generation's right or wrong, I think it's just important to know how you're defining it for yourself and the person you're dating, dating. Have you, have they told you about hard launches and soft launches yet? Um, Or is that, is that something you've come across? Um, I've, I've heard of these terms, what you speak of, (laughs) um, but I, I would love for you to clarify how you're defining it because again, like, and also culturally, there could be differences. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, well, I think the way, at least in my kind of circle, it's been used is kind of similar to those those phases. So when you're kind of, um, you're in a committed relationship, so you're dating someone, but you don't want to talk about it yet. You don't want to be public about it. You know, it's you might soft launch them by like posting a picture of, their hands or something. So it implies, you know, you're on a, you're on a date with someone right. or um, even just get having a photo taken of you when you're on a table, that's clearly for two people. It's like, who's taking that photo? Um, that tends to be what a soft launch is. It's oh, very much a t- yeah. um, attached to social media and, and, and promoting or present how you present your relationship on social media. Hard launches, you know, when you've got a photo of the two of you or a selfie of the two of you, you're both clearly seen um, and, and, uh, it, it's quite explicit in, in the way that photo has been presented that the two of you are in a committed relationship. And usually that's aligned, that, that's usually kind of at the beginning of that third stage um, where, where you have entered um, a committed relationship with each that's other. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. Is it because I, I also heard that it's not just digital, but it's also like the way you introduce each other. Is that yes. true? Yes. Yeah. So it's a little more casual in a soft launch. Yeah. You're just like, oh, here's so-and-so, we're hanging out, we're talking, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it's just a little more, instead of saying, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, like, that's exactly. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So that's kind of, I guess, the way it, it kind of, again, works with that three phases. It's like oh, everyone's yeah. got a different name for it, I suppose, but it's the same three phases at the end of the day. It's semantics. And yeah. I think it's good to have definitions of these semantics, you know, just within the culture of where you live and with each other. Because again, it goes back to that communication. If one person thinks that they're in one phase and the other is in another, that's when problems happen too. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume also, especially when it comes to like launching or presenting things on social media, that there's some amount of communication that goes behind that as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, and that's what social media, I think, just has, you know, it's like good mo- good news, bad news, right? Like when it's used in a good way, I think it's it's awesome. Like it's a way to like include your loved ones and people into your dating. It's a great way to meet people and sliding into your DM. Um, you know, like there's different ways that you can connect with people. But then when it's being abused and not and to hurt people, that's, you know, kind of the fallout. And and you see this in the dating world too. I'm sure you do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's talk a bit more about that. We can chat a bit about like social media and then we can move on a bit to dating apps as well, because that's another huge one. Yeah. Um, But with social media, what what are the pitfalls around um, dating um, on social media? Um, You know, the pitfalls, in my opinion, is very similar to the apps and that I think sometimes like you could DM someone and it can go on and on and on and on and on. And there's no like real interaction. And I see this is the problem with the younger generation is that the way you all connect is to DM each other. 
And then you're texting and DMing each other for like days and days and days without any like real time interaction. So by the time you get like on a FaceTime or, you know, out in the real world, it can almost become like more anxiety provoking and weird. Yeah. And so I think there's this time element that is prolonging the process of connection, to be honest, when it comes to just the digital world overall. Like, I don't think it's just specific to social media. Um, I think another pitfall is in, as an image consultant, I'm going to say it, it can be actually worked in both ways. Like sometimes like the filters make people look fake. Right. And it's not real. Or you look like crap. Sorry. I don't know if I can say that, but or you, you don't look well <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not dressed well. You're not being intentional on in the way you look or, you know, so it can hurt you in, in both ways. And so that's also something that you have to take a look at because all you know is the image that you see. And the other, the third thing is that you have to be really mindful of congruency. And what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes I'll see people who post one thing on Instagram and another thing on Snapchat and another thing on Facebook. And, and it's like, well, who is this person anyway? And so there's this like lack of trust and consistency in the way that people put out their profiles. Yeah, I think that's definitely true of social media. When you have multiple accounts, um, the way that those different platforms operate encourages you to present yourself in different ways. And I think while people are allowed to be complex and be all of those things at once, it's it's a difficult first impression, I think, to have of someone. And that kind of thing doesn't always communicate well, um, you know, digitally or on social media. A hundred percent. And it's like, if you do have an exchange, a conversation, I tell people at least have like a little bit of that conversation where the, you're feeling some sort of like vibe, connection, you're having fun, but then like ask to get on the phone and whatever that looks like, because if it goes on too long or if it's too short on the other side, it, there's a disconnect that happens with that. So conversely, like I love the guys who are like, hey, want to go out sometime? It's like, who are you? <laughs> you know, like, and so you have to establish some sort of rapport and connection before jumping to that too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. I guess uh, moving on to kind of dating apps, which is unfortunately the only way I think that young people meet each other nowadays. Um, what, how has the rise of dating apps changed the way we date? Oh, so much. Okay. I will start with positives because it's not all bad. Um, and I am a philosophy. I believe that your dating portfolio should be like your financial portfolio. You need to diversify as much as possible in order to get a result. And what I mean by that is that I like to use the dating apps as a medium in which to meet people because nowhere can you get the amount of volume in one place of a bunch of single people that could, you know, be somebody potentially for you. But in the same light, you have to like get out and be social. You have to join clubs. You have to be at the grocery store and be comfortable flirting. Like there are things that you have to do to build your social muscle because the problem if you don't is that if all you're doing is swiping and DMing, then by the time you get to the date, you're just staring at each other. And then you come back yeah. and say, eh, I didn't feel the chemistry. Well, of course you didn't feel the chemistry because there wasn't that social flirtation and connection and emotional 
intimacy that got built. So I believe that the digital world is causing kind of just social skills to go down, period. And this isn't just related to dating. Like this is across the board with friendships, with the way that we connect with each other in the workforce. And so I'm trying to one by one help people. Um, But this is why I'm doing these in-person retreats now and so, so many more like workshops to really get people talking to each other because it's causing social anxiety too. And I see it even in my sons, like like it's so much easier to hide behind a DM and a screen to just like vet people than just to go up to somebody and say, hey, hi, how are you? Yeah, no, like, I unfortunately right? have fallen fallen victim to that myself and that like I, I was having a lovely conversation with someone on a dating app once and it truly was a lovely conversation. Um, and I lasted a few days I think if we had met in person, it would have been much less than that, but it did last a few days. Um, and as soon as they messaged me, um, asking if I wanted to meet up, I got really nervous and deleted the app. Um, so I know, I know it was bad, but to be, I, I think it worked out fine in the end. I wasn't ready at the time, but, um, I also probably should have not done that. That's probably a better way of handling that for sure. Well, I want to say what you're exemplifying is that there's this, you know, gosh, as a therapist, I feel like it should be an official diagnosis. There's dating anxiety that's existing right now and social anxiety, too. But dating anxiety is where any little semblance of a trigger, a fear and the pandemic didn't help. I know we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that in a second, Mm -hmm. that people will would rather like bolt and like I'm out of here. Yeah. Then get hurt or, you know, do something to make a bad decision and get in another toxic relationship. Let's say that that, you know, happened. Yeah. But the problem, I mean, as you can hear, the problem with that, then you become like almost in this like paralysis state where nothing is happening. Mm -hmm. And so what you fear is what you want. What you want is what you fear. And so what happens? You end up just plateauing. And so then no one's meeting anyone. And so like out there in the world, I always say both men and women have the responsibility of approachability. And I'm hearing, because I I work with both men and women, I'm hearing the women say, well, we're all the confident men to come up and like no guys asking me out. And I hear the men saying, well, the women have RBFs on and they're all like talking to each other and, and they're not looking like they're approachable. So guess what? No one is approaching anyone. We're at a stalemate. Yeah. And so women have to be more approachable and smile and say hi and turn their cab light on and, you know, and, and open up the field a little bit and make it easier for the men so that the men feel more confident coming over and and having that like, you know, kind of connection. I'll tell you a quick story. And this is hot off the press because it just happened. I often do wing girl sessions. So that's why I call myself Hitch or Hitchette, um, if you know the movie. And um, it, so this woman came and I was teaching her how to flirt at a bar. And this is the other thing. Everybody's worried about everyone else. Like, oh, I, I can't go over to that person because they're married. Or I can't go to that person. Maybe, you know, blah, 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 all the conversation. But what I teach people is to be really present and just go after what you want and just say hi. Like, you don't have to move on to anybody that you don't want to, but if you don't make a connection, you'll never know. Mm -hmm. 
So we walked into the bar and I was like teaching her how to navigate it. And she was from out of town. She was from um, Texas. Okay. And I'm in LA. And you would think, well, there's no way she's going to meet somebody in her hometown here in, in Los Angeles. So two seats were open next to two gentlemen. Yeah. Now, these gentlemen were married. Okay. And so she looks at me and she's like, no way. We are not sitting there and talking. I said, yes way. Let's just talk. Like, they look like nice guys. Let's just talk. So we start talking to them. They end up living in Texas 20 minutes from her. Wow. You know? I can't make this yeah. stuff up. And so we continue to talk. We make a connection. They're buying us drinks. We're having fun. And I, I say to them, you know, my friend, meaning my client, you know, she's looking, she's recently single. She's looking to mingle. Where would you have her go? Like, are there some good restaurants she should go to? Because she hasn't been out of the house, you know, and she just like, she stays there in fear. And he's like, yeah, actually. And so he starts naming these restaurants. And then he's like, you know, I have a friend who's also recently single. Okay. I think you guys really would like each other. I'm like, well, let's connect them now. Yeah. So, so we send the guy her picture. They start texting each other. They yeah. just went out. Literally, this is two weeks ago. They just went out like this weekend and had a blast. Oh, my God. Right? Like <laughs> oh, that would never happen on an app, y'all. No, that would never happen on an app for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So everyone is sick of the apps, yet no one is doing anything else in, in real life, IRL. That's why I'm calling my show Dating IRL, because meeting people in real life, it's what we all used to do. And your generation, like, it, it's just foreign, you know, and it's scary. But at the end of the day, that is the authentic connections that you can make. But even if you are online dating, and I'm not knocking it, I think I think there's a lot of value. Just make sure that you're building your social muscles still somewhere else. So by the time you get to the date, you really are connecting and giving people chances. Yeah, yeah for sure. I guess that's like another question I have, which is um, how do you be yourself or how do you be your authentic self while online and trying to find that person? Because often you're on a dating app and people are just sending you template pickup lines, essentially, um, oh or God, strange questions, conversation starters. And <laughs> it just feels very, um, feels like a test sometimes when people send you that kind of thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really feel, it feels like they're trying to very quickly get a response out of you and see how you react as opposed to try and actually make a connection with you. Um, so how do you, how do you be yourself? Well, first of all, it feels that way because they are, they're literally copying and pasting the prompts. And, yeah. you know, when I teach people how to navigate that, you know, first, number one, don't do the prompts, just don't do it. <laughs> like if you're doing the first to hit, like if you're a woman on Bumble and you have to, you know, throw out the first shot, yeah. Don't do those prompts because it is an authentic, like you're you're literally copying and pasting and it doesn't even seem like you're reading anybody's profile and you're just rapidly going through profiles, right? And it is a big problem. And so what I teach people is to look at people's profile and look at something that they're curious about, something that maybe is funny about that person, something that they want to know and ask them a question or make a statement based on their profile. Now, if you're receiving the message, oh, oh, I love these messages too, don't you love it? Hey, how are you? How was the weekend? Like, 
the worst, <laughs> right? And so how do you respond to those? How do you respond to those um, things? And it still could be your job to turn that around. Like instead of saying, hey, back or answering the prompt, say, you could even make a joke of this. Like, oh my God, that last person asked me that same question, smiley faced. <laughs> and put LOL, you know, like make a joke of it and say, and then you throw back another question that's more authentic. So, yeah. oh, I see that, you know, your dog is so cute. What kind of dog is that? You know, like just something that gets them talking. The other trick is to not ask close-ended questions, meaning that is the kind that requires a yes or no answer. That's when the conversation dies. So ask people questions that require a longer answer so that they give you information. There's more of a flow. The third tip is to be flirty. I can't tell you how many times, because I go in people's profiles, by the way, and I see your all's conversations. I see what is happening and what it looks like to me is a LinkedIn exchange. Like, it's like yeah. Q&A. It's Q&A. Yeah. Where did you go to school? Went to school here. What did you do? What did you major in? Like, so boring that you can read a resume for that. Like, be playful. Have fun. Joke around. Get to know the person. Yeah, definitely. I, I LinkedIn, LinkedIn conversation is definitely something that, it, what it feels like sometimes. Well, um, even on dates, right? Like on dates, it can feel like a Q&A session yeah, too. Yeah, it's like, it's like 20 questions. It's like an interrogation sometimes. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. I have this whole social engagement formula that I teach people to get out of their heads and staying away from like factual information and work more in the way that people tell stories and connect emotionally and personally. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. We touched on this a little bit, but how has the pandemic changed things? Because I know some people who met on Tinder in the pandemic, got married, <laughs> and now they're together and very happily together. Um, it's not been super long, I suppose, um, we, for context here in Melbourne, we've been in lockdown. We had been in lockdown for a very long time. I remember um, that. I have clients over there. I It was very different there. Yeah. It was very different. Um, so uh, forming an entire long lasting relationship during a pandemic is not that far-fetched. Um, a lot of people met in lockdown and then met for the first time a year into their relationship, which is, which is pretty wild. Um, but obviously your only form of communication being online is not the best option. Do you feel like the pandemic has improved the way we online date? Has it made it worse? What What is your experience around that being? I see both. I see a mix of things. I think we're in a stage of recalibration, right? It's kind of like the pendulum effect. When we were in the pandemic, that's all we could rely on to connect and, and meet people. And there was this trend back then called slow dating. I actually um, did a lot of articles on it and it, it was actually a beautiful thing. And some of my clients too got into awesome relationships. I think what happened is because people were forced to slow down mm -hmm. and not just swipe their life away and be more intentional in who they were talking to, there was an emotional intimacy that got built that because you couldn't rely on the physical, right? Because we yeah. were heading in a really bad direction, you know, before the pandemic. It was almost like 
the pandemic broke things up because people were not like even present when they were dating. They were just swiping, they were being physical, you know? So I think it allowed people to really stop and think not only like who they're gonna spend time with, but also figure out who they are. And so people did a lot of reflection, they did a lot of shifting and changing. And so there was really beautiful relationships that blossomed out of that. Well, fast forward after the pandemic, then we saw like, it was like girls gone wild, got, you know, boys be bad kind of thing. And then it was like a big orgy that happened, you know, and everyone was like going crazy and meeting everybody. And um, it kind of went back to like where it was before. Well, now I think we're all like the pendulum, we're kind of trying to come to some sort of balance with it all. And it's good, I, but I think people are hesitant. So there's also a new term called hesitating. I don't know if you've heard of that. And what that is, and I mean, I didn't make that up. You can look in the yeah. articles about it. Uh, there's probably plenty of terms I have no clue about because oh they God, pop up every day. And by the way, <laughs> me too. Like I'll, I'll, I get contacted by the Huffington Post and like, can you comment on this new term? I'm like, oh my God, I haven't even heard. Um, and so what that is, is that people like put a stop to dating and got a really bad taste in their mouth with dating because they got so burnt out with online dating that they're not even certain that they want to date. So then we see a whole like pool of people just being like, you know what, I'm done with dating. I'm just going to work on myself. I'm going to be by myself. Or maybe they're just being social. They don't want to commit. They're scared. People are scared to commit too. So it's just like the pendulum went kind of to the other side. Um, but I think if we can combine forces, you know, where there, like I said, it's all about diversification, where we can use online dating is still a portal to meet people, but also exercise in real life kind of connections. I think that's where people will develop healthier relationships. And, you know, it's funny to me, I make a joke all the time. It's not Online dating, what you all have been doing is that like you're vetting for your next boyfriend and girlfriend. And it's almost like you're vetting, like you're going through a resume and you see one thing on the resume that you don't like and you swipe left or if there's one picture that's awful, they're gone. And so people are not, are not giving people chances. Now, that's not true when you walk in a party. Like you don't walk into a party or a social event with people's ages on their heads and a resume on their belly, right? Yeah. You just go and you talk to people. So if we could use online dating as almost like a party online, imagine the difference that it would make by being more open, just like you're more open in real life. So I think we we can learn from these experiences and how to really meet people effectively. Yeah, I think a party online is, is a pretty cool way of describing it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one um, in the future. Just open, just say hi. You know, you just never know because, you know, just like you, people don't know you either. They're just looking at a picture. And what if someone's swiping left on you and not giving you a chance because of one picture or one thing? If there's enough there, they seem pretty cool. They're, they're being intentional. Just say hi. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, definitely. I am going to, as much as I could keep going on about this forever, I have so many questions for you, but I have to cut that there so that we can move on to our practice. Slash oh God, habit experiment. I know I'm working with the time. I'm like, oh, that's all right. We, we will... We will get through this. Um, if it's a slightly longer episode than normal, so be it. I think, um, I again, 
so much to talk about, like we said at the start of this episode. So I'm not surprised that we, we got carried away, I think, with that conversation. Um, I definitely have way more questions for you that I might ask you one day in the future. Oh my <laughs> but, God, well, I'm here for you. And I told you, if I go to Australia, you're coming. Exactly. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We'll move on now to our practice slash habit experiment debrief in which uh, we talk a little bit more about how we can put what we've learned into practice. So I guess, um, Kimmy, what's a practice that either you have done yourself or you've recommended to your clients um, to improve yourself in dating, especially online dating? Oh my God. Well, everything that I preach and teach, I have done. So first of all, I want, you know, and if you want to hear more, I, I know that we have to end soon and I have to go too. But the, um, my story, if you go to the TEDx talk, I, I kind of share more of my story. And the reason why I, I say that is that it's been a long road. Like there's not one approach that works for everybody. It is not one size fits all. I'm not a cookie cutter approach coach. But I think in your journey, depending on what is tripping you up and, you know, maybe the challenges that you're having, it's looking at your patterns and looking at the why, like what is that connected to, you know? So if you are used to hiding and wearing clothes that hide you and not putting yourself out there and not smiling and you're a little bit scared to connect with the opposite sex. Maybe you were hurt before, maybe your voice was shut down, maybe your light was dimmed, then that would be an opportunity to, like if you're a woman, put on a red dress, wear loud colors, go into and just practice being seen. You know, go to the market, go to the coffee shop, smile at the opposite sex, and just get used to being seen. I always say that the small wins add up to the bigger picture. It's so overwhelming to say, oh, just work on your dating life or, oh, just work on your confidence. It's like, no, what are the skills that you need to do and leverage and practice to build that confidence to get over some of the fears? Mm -hmm. So again, it's different for everybody or if you're somebody, so that's like your, the style intelligence, right? If we look at these three pillars, these are little things you can do. In your emotional intelligence, if you're the type of person who's very guarded, not used to sharing your feelings, and you're always listening to everybody else, well, guess what happens? Then you'll attract a narcissist. You'll attract a fixer-upper because you're so used to being the good audience that you're not showing up enough for yourself. So your journey is to practice sharing things from the minute you say hello in a vulnerable way, in a fun way, not like TMI, you're not gonna go on a date and say, let me tell you about my childhood. <laughs> you're gonna, you're, but you're gonna share passions, you're gonna share your feelings, so you get to see who listens to you. And in the social intelligence part, if you never flirt and you get caught in the friend zone, guess what your journey is? Flirt, practice flirting, get out of the yeah. friend zone so that things start happening. And again, like it's different for everybody, um, but I would say, those are just like little, little things that you could do in each of those areas. Yeah. Putting on, putting on a, a, a new dress, especially, I think the pandemic has taught us that just the act of, of wearing something nice can make a world of difference. Um, so I, I think I'm sorry that we had to go through all of that, but if it's taught us anything, <laughs> it's that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, where there is pain, there's pleasure. Where there's adversity, there is, there is like success and be beauty all the time. You know, I always say our, our adversity are just gifts of disguise, but you, you 
you don't see it at the time. And it's not until you go through it and you look back and you say, there was the gift. So even in these challenging times and through the chaos, like what is it that you can learn from all of it to make it something that's successful for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I normally have a lot more questions than that with regards to our practice. Um, But I do have one audience question that I really do want to ask you. Um, I feel like it's an important one. Mm -hmm. Um, This one is, it says, how can people protect themselves from online dating scams and potential risks of meeting strangers online? I know. And it's... and I, it, it's too bad that there has been so many scammers and it's getting pretty bad out there because, and you know, initially when online dating came about, it was used to be for the good, <laughs> to meet people. And so now people are so scared. Well, I'll make a little joke in the beginning and that the same scammers you see online, guess what? They're next to you in the store too. So it's not just online, right? Like let's be real and talk about just safety precautions and things. Where it's different online is that you get a lot of people asking for money. And, you know, there's so many obvious signs that they're a scammer that when you get good at it and you start doing online dating a lot, you see them and you start laughing because it's like, oh my God, there's another one. There's another one. Um, But anyone who like writes you love letters that are like 10 pages long and how much they love you after the first interaction and they want to be with you and meet me in an exotic place, like obviously that's a scammer, right? Um, someone who doesn't get on the phone with you or won't show their face, you know, big, big red flag there. Uh, that's why I'm a big believer in not DMing for a really long time and just get them on the phone so you can hear the real person. Someone who just stays on the phone all the time and then they won't like meet you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then once they get you, that's when they start asking you for money. Oh, can you just send me this? My credit card wasn't working. I'll pay you back. Like there's it's the same story over and over again. So what I would recommend is look online about like, you know, just telltale signs of scammers and just educate yourself. And the more you do online dating, it'll just become really obvious. Now there are some that you can't detect and they, you know, it's unfortunate. There's some bad people out there, but to not do online dating in fear of, you're also doing yourself a disservice because again, like, there's bad people out in the real world too. And to sit in fear, then you're also, you know, not providing an opportunity to meet someone. Definitely. And I think um, one of those, there's still plenty of things, like little things you can do, like reverse image searches as well to check, you know, that they've got, you know, original photos and they're not stealing it from elsewhere. So there's plenty of little things once you're suspicious that you can use to verify for sure. No, that's a good one. And like check against social media, see if you can find them in other ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, that was kind of, there were more questions from the audience, but I think that was kind of the most important one that I, I feel uh, was probably one that a lot of people who are approaching online dating have. Um, I might move on now to um, an, our open mic segment in which I let you have a mini TED talk about whatever you feel was important to close off our episode. Well, I feel like I've touched on um, a lot already, but I I think um, 
The biggest thing that I tell people, especially like if they're getting back out there and it's been a long time or you're coming out of a relationship, um, I, I always tell people, you got to go back to the playground. You got to go back to basics. You know, too many people are vetting their next boyfriend and girlfriend and they're not connected. They're not connected to the present, giving people chances. So what happens, as especially as life goes on, maybe hurt has happened, toxic relationships, fear, and that all builds up over time. So what happens is you go out there and you're so riddled with anxiety about things in the past and then you get so anxious about things in the future and the implications it might mean, especially if you're in your 20s and you're looking to settle down and have kids, like there's anxiety about that, that yeah. you lose the present moment. Yeah. And in order to speed things up and not waste time, you're actually wasting time. You see, what I mean by that is that you're vetting so hard and you're worried so much and you're looking that you're wasting so much time not really giving things chances and working on yourself in that process that that you'll end up in that relationship again. You'll close yourself off, you, you know, whatever that is. So I always say to people, you know, the more you can be present, the more you can just treat everything like one big party and first start out in that courtship phase and just be super comfortable, flirt and have fun with everyone, learn how to connect. And, you know, like with my clients in that stage, what I say is you're doing data collection. I call it data dating. And you're, you know, I have this whole process that I work with people on where they do a chemistry analysis and they put people in dating buckets and they're really looking at their negotiables and non-negotiables rather than, oh, well, this guy is under six feet tall and this guy does this for a Like sometimes you get caught up in details that aren't even important as you as a person. So the more present you can be with that and kind of override some of the challenges that you're having in ways of skills, again, that's when you're going to get the results. And, you know, if you're really interested in knowing what kind of dater you are, I have a quiz for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, it's called the Dating Diagnosis Quiz. You can find it on my website, but um, you'll get it direct by going to KimmySeltzer.com, K-I-M-M-Y.com. And then you just say forward slash quiz. And you can take the quiz and no matter, you know, what age you are, what gender you are, you can take it. And on my website, there's also like a dating archetype quiz. There's another, you know, quiz to see what like archetype you are as a dater. So it'll be like a nice kind of foundation to where to start or maybe where your pitfalls are. And of course, you can find me on my podcast, Charisma Quotient. Of course. I, and instead, I guess um, this is everyone's sign to put down that BuzzFeed quiz that you're about to do about which pizza you are based on your star sign and um, do this quiz instead. I love it. <laughs> um, uh, where else can people find you? Yeah, I mean, most of my socials are at Kimmy Seltzer and it's K-I-M-M-Y Seltzer, like the water. Um, so you can find me pretty much everywhere with that handle. And again, my website is KimmySeltzer.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Kimmy, I've had such a fantastic time talking to you. I feel like it's definitely not been long, en long enough. <laughs> we could definitely have, I think, multiple episodes on this topic, but I think we covered really good ground today. Um, and I'm really glad to have you on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And I too could go on and on. So thanks for cutting me off. We'll just, I'll, I'll just have to come back on or come over and do a live workshop. Yes, it will have to be a part two. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks. 
You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Lab. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.